Today, we're going to, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff, okay? I'm loaded for bear. Um, over the last 11 months, we have gathered gold because every month I would take a Bible character and I would talk about that character and then we'd learn leadership from them. Now today, what I want to do is kind of recap those. There's a lot of info, but I'll only give you just some major highlight points to help you. But every bit of it is gold. I promise you, some of you that lead or teach in your staff, you can take one of these and go a long way. So you basically, you're going to come up with a dozen lessons out of this one. But it's great information. In fact, what we've done is we take every, every Bible character we took, they're all different. Yet it all reaffirms that God uses people who are different. People that have different gifts, different skills, different experiences. Whoever you are, there's a place for you to make a difference with your life and in this world. And so in this lesson today, as we kind of pick up the recap from 2022, let's just jump right in, all right? Okay, in January, you remember we talked about leadership lessons from the life of Bezalel. Bezalel was that character in the Bible that we said he added tremendous value, but he was underappreciated. Very few people know his name. In fact, I'm the only one that I've ever heard even preached on him. And, um, and I did it because a friend of mine, who's a businessman, contacted me and said, I've never heard a message on this, but boy, it's rich. And it took me six months to dig into the guy's life, but it was good information. Overall, it was this. He was underrated. Um, he great, gave great value, but while he did a lot of things, he got little or not. You do what's right because it's right when nobody else is looking, and that alone ought to give you peace. But it also builds your character, and so I encourage you to do that. In fact, I think one reason we mentioned that some people fail to train and release other people uh, in, the, in letting them go is that they fear being surpassed. They might outshine them. Don't ever be afraid of letting other people outshine you. Uh, go through and find people and find talent. Praise them, build them, but let them succeed. Take the lid off other people's life. My job as a leader, whenever I brought in staff, was always this. It was to say, you tell me what you want, and I can help you find it. I can't do your job for you, but I want to resource you. And my job is to encourage, resource, and guide, connect with the right people. Their job is to do the job. And so we learned that from Bezalel. Let me give you the second one. That is, in the month of February, we talked about Paul the Apostle. We call this finding your plus. Now, your plus is your mentor. All of us need somebody in our life who's gone a little further ahead, somebody we can learn from. I mentioned to the staff earlier when I was talking to them the thing that I've done before in my life, and I, I literally would I, would. I would bombard you with so many questions. You did not want to know me. Uh, I, I told you about the time, you know, with, I took a famous guy down to, I uh, took him to Atlanta to the airport, and, and, uh, and he was sick, and he got in the backseat of the car and said, don't want to talk, and, and I said, I understand that, but I had done written out the night before about 60 questions, and I said, he is not going to get out of this car without all 60 answered. And so I began to ask him, and he began to answer, and he was gruff, and, and he was a famous man. By the time that I got about 40 miles up the road, he just leaned up, and he said, young man, and he lost it. Are you a Philadelphia lawyer or something? My God, I've never been asked so many questions in my life. Would you just shut your mouth? That's what he said. Drive me to the airport. I don't want to hear another word from you. And he, was, he blew it. He was nauseated, and I'm driving slow because i got to get my questions. And I let him blow off, and then I looked down, and I thought, now i got about 20 more to go and 20 miles. I, you know, you in my car, okay? <laughs> and so I appreciate, you know, what you feel, and I kept asking. When I got to the airport, I pulled up. I was going to get his bags. He jumped out of the car, 
His words to me were this. I'll get my own bags. And he started walking off. And I knew he was sick. He really was sick. And so that was not the last time I saw him. The last time I saw him was three years later. I was speaking to a large crowd of people. And when I finished speaking, this guy walks up with about three people. And he said, I owe you an apology. He said, do you remember me? I said, yes, sir. And I joked, said, are you feeling better? He said, yeah. And then he said, uh, I am so sorry. The whole time you were speaking, I said, my soul, that young man wanted to learn this. He was hungry. He said, all those questions, he intended to use it. He said, I feel so rotten, so bad. I said, that's okay. And so we shook hands, started to walk off, and I couldn't resist it. He got five feet away with his crew, and his back was turned. I said, hey, and I called his name. He turned, and I said, I got a question for you. <laughs> and here's how I left it. He just raised his arm kept walking. What I'm saying is be inquisitive, learn, grow. That's the only way that you will. And so a mentor will help you. Um, they will give you honest feedback. You want a mentor who will literally tell you the truth. Now, I'm grateful that and some of you have got a spouse. I have a wife. When I married Miss Debbie, people showed up at our wedding. We joke about it because they said that is not going to last and there's no way he'll be able to be able to work with and handle her. Uh, she was strong, very strong. In fact, one of my best leaders told me one time, he said, I've never met anybody you couldn't intimidate other than her. He's right. She's extremely comfortable in her skin. And, um, and so when it comes to feedback, I don't have to go out and find many mentors. I can ask her and she'll tell me not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. And sometimes I even say, I don't want to ask today because I don't know if I'm prepared to receive the answer. But you do need a mentor in your life that will speak truthfully to you. And I say it this. The secret to how far you grow, you go is in how far you grow. That's the real secret. How far you go is all determined by how, by, by literally, by how far you grow. Um, so I mentioned the finding your plus. Now, there was three of them in that. So I did three months worth. Finding your plus, finding your minus, and finding your equal. Now, I didn't make that up. I, 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 I wish I could. I think in the Bible you get them, Paul. Timothy and Barnabas. I have a friend that gave me that. I had a blessing to be with him the other day. Frank Shamrock, the former UFC fighter, world champion. Uh, we've been friends for years, and he was the one that literally, when it comes to how far you grow, Frank was funny. He would sit there when people were fighting, or when he was in training in the lion's den, and he had with notes on every fighter you'd ever know. And that's why he won five world titles. The other day, we was in California, and we were out there, and he came over. We spent five and a half hours together that evening, and during that time, we talked about that same philosophy, that finding your mentor, find your plus. That's the person that's further than you. Find your minus. Now, that's the person that you mentor. Uh, that's somebody you teach, somebody you develop, somebody you, you become their voice. Here's, the, here's another, it's a whole other lesson on it, but the voices you listen to decide the choices you make in life. Everybody's listening to a voice. Who's the number one voice in your life? That voice is what makes your choices, and, and you can't get around that. So it's very important to make certain that the voices you listen to, some people listen to a voice of self-doubt, some people listen to a voice of fear, insecurity, and you can always tell those people, but there are certain people that you know they're listening and they want to grow, but they're not listening to the best voice. I almost last night was sick at my stomach when I got a text about a friend that had done something, and when I heard, I said, oh my soul, why did you see that coming? And, and then it dawned on me, he's been hanging out with so-and-so. No wonder he did that. Your voices that you listen to are very important. And so make sure you keep that, okay? Now, then I mentioned along that line about your legacy. 
That's what you do when you're a little further down the road. Your legacy is not what you leave uh, for someone, you know, stuff. Your legacy is what you leave in someone. Your legacy is what you deposited. I have three sons, one in California, one that's a pilot in, the, in Atlanta now, and then, of course, Brent. Every one of them, my goal in life was to pour into their life things that had to do with character. Now, I know I was, a, I was an old school dad. You wouldn't have wanted me to be a father, okay? Uh, I just wouldn't have been probably to some people that say, oh, he's just harsh. But I never one time applauded my children for anything that had to do with talent, uh, if you could sing, God bless you. If you could play ball, they did, God bless you. I, I didn't applaud that. If you make up your bed, I applauded that. If you said, yes, ma'am. If you helped the lady when you came out of the grocery store to take her grocery, I applauded that. I always want to say, I, I'd rather your character be in place because your character will keep you someplace. See, talent, never let your talent take you where your character can't keep you. You want to make certain that your character is in place and anchored. So, Pour into those people. Tell them the little things in life that really matter. And so that's what's important for us. All right. In April, we said finding your plus, finding your minus. In April, we talked about Barnabas. Finding your equal. Everybody needs somebody in life on the same journey, along the same path, growing at the same rate, sometimes with the same experiences. And that becomes for you what the Bible calls iron sharpening iron. You say, are you going through this? Yeah, I'm going through it. What did you do? I just did. And, and as you grow through those experiences together, you have somebody that keeps you in the game and keeps you running when you get tired and want to quit. And they'll keep you energized. And so it's very important you understand that. It'd be equal in, in experiences and equal in environment. So finding your equal is a good thing. But you need the, all three to grow. you got to have the one above you. you got to have the one you're pulling. you got to have the one beside you. May. In the month of May, we talked about leading on empty. We used Elijah as the illustration. Constantly giving out. Calendar out of controls. That, that never caught up. In fact, um, it's dangerous to stay in that state. And I mentioned about calendar. I'll tell you what I'm going to do in December. And we've done it for 10 years. Best thing you ever do. You live at peace. Um, every December, my wife and I will take my calendar and we'll lay it out for the whole year. And we plan out what we're going to do. Now, I put my stuff first. We put birthdays and we put where I'm going, what are we going to do, how we're going to keep our life together first. The question is not, will your calendar be full? That's not even the question. Yes, it will be full. The question is who or what fills your calendar? Either your calendar drives you or you drive it. And so most people, when they talk about time management, time management is nothing more than self-management. That's all that is. It's learning to manage yourself. And so when it comes to being on, if you, if you don't manage your calendar, there'll come a time you'll be empty, you'll be burned out, you'll find yourself exhausted. And there are many things you want to do, but you can't do. And if you stay in the state too long, it's a dangerous place to be. A lot of people make unwise decisions when they're empty, when they're tired, when they're exhausted. That's when they make some decisions sometimes that they pay for forever. Why do you overcome it? We said prayer. You replenish your soul. Prioritize. Learn to say no to some things. And then we said personal growth plan. If you don't have a personal growth plan, you're, you're not going to be able to do, do a whole lot or accomplish much in life. I remember one time a friend of mine told me, and he's very successful today, but he was the one that taught me about personal growth plans. He said, I was sitting one time with a guy talking. He said, I was young. I had a lot of dreams. He said, and this guy I was talking to was like on top of the world. He said, we were at a luncheon, and I'd gotten the time with him. He said, when I started talking, the guy said, John, let me ask you a question. 
what is your personal growth plan? And John said, I looked at him and said, well, and then he said, oh, I started thinking, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And he said, I started talking. He said, after a minute, he said, you know how you just throw it up, but there wasn't them hoping I'll find the answer. He said, but it wasn't coming. He said, I was just staggering all. He said, leaned across the table and said, be honest, John, you don't have one, do you? And he said, no. He said, let me tell you something, John. He said, you're going to waste a lunch with me if you don't have one. If, we come, if, if you don't have one, you're just wasting my time. He said, I'm going to teach you the most important thing you can ever do for your life is get you a person, you know, financially. Plan in every area. Nothing happens if you don't plan it. John now is worth almost $1 billion. He's done more than you can imagine. He, we joke about he He plays golf with people that we read about. And I look back there and say, you know what changed his life? You know, David, we talked about that one decision. He, his changed his life when somebody said, do you have a personal growth plan? That's why I say, sit down for now in December and plan out this year. What do I want to see? What do I want to do? Who do I want to meet? What would I like to know? What can I do this year? Just one thing and start that so that you can begin the growth plan. Then on top of that, we sit in June. In June, this was kind of, I tried not to put passion to it because I could have done it easily. There's certain things. My wife has all these symbols. You know, when you've been speaking as a public speaker a lot, you get symbols with people that, you know, she'll code you like, this right here means zip your pants. And uh, I've been speaking for her. She didn't really know. Okay. And uh, you get that. You get, sometimes this means move on. You know, I'll look. Okay, get on. Go. And she'll do that. And sometimes she'll shake her head like, why'd you do that? And so I'm glancing in that. I see that. I get it. She always tells me on this one. She does this. And what that means is throttle back. Step off the gas. You're too passionate. Your passion will come across as pushy and angry. So back off. And so I'll be just fired up. And I'll look over at you. <laughs> okay. Now, so I could do that on this. We talked about loyalty, the issue of loyalty, the value of it. We used the life of Peter. I said there's three characters, uh, three type people. They follow one of three. One is disloyalty. You're going to meet people in life. Sometimes they're two-faced. They're out for themselves. And, and they're just two-faced. I have a statement. And it's been a statement I've been quoted on many times. I can't change it. My statement is I'd rather be too blunt than two-faced. And so it may be offensive, but I'd rather be just be too blunt than two-faced. But there are a lot of people that disloyalty doesn't mean a thing to them. They, you can't get out of their presence without them talking about behind your back. So that's them. They just kind of suck ups and envious. Then there is our loyalty. Now, to me, this one can be just as bad. Our loyalty is a person who listens, but they never speak up. They hear it, but they won't say anything. They're silent. They'll come to you and say, did you know what so-and-so said? And that's called an all-loyalist. Denzel Washington one time had this statement that he made. He said, tell me, what were you saying while they were telling you those bad things about me? And, and what he's asking is, what did you say? Where were you? We know where they are. And our loyalist is like that squirrel in the middle of the road. He doesn't get over there, over here. He's right there. And so be, be, just declare yourself out front. Then there's loyalty. Loyalty will stand up and speak up. And a loyal person will do it even when they got to do it alone. If nobody else does it, doesn't matter. And so I, I say the, the key there is understanding that's a high value. In July, we talked about this with Nehemiah. We talked about those challenges of a leader, how that every leader is challenged in some areas, and all of us will be. One is opposition. What does it take to make you quit? 
What's it? How many how many bears out there does it does it take to intimidate you? Uh, the challenge of opposition is you're always going to have something if you're on a good path that's going to be an, an uh, you know an adversary or an obstacle. You've got to learn to say, Do I want it bad enough that I will get? It? When your why is big, the what and the how is not that big. The challenge we also is of discretion. You know what discretion is? It's knowing when to talk and when to shut up. You ever done that? I, I, I'm like sometimes that fish on the wall. There was a big picture of a bass on the wall and it had that little statement under it that said, I wouldn't be here if I'd have kept my mouth shut. An enemy, you've never made a difference. You'll never make a difference without making an enemy. So it's okay. Uh, look at it. It's like that validates them on the right path. We came along in August. We talked about the life of Jacob. We, I love Jacob. You can go forever on him. All we said there was this. Don't give in to what you want in the moment for what you want the most. You remember that he sold his whole birthright for a moment, a hasty decision. And sometimes what's temporal and right there in the moment, if we're not careful, we will surrender to that and lose the big picture. And so I encourage you, keep in mind what I want, where I'm going, and don't let anything else stop you from it. That was his lesson. Then we learned from Caleb. The leadership lesson from Caleb was this. He was a guy who stood there in the days of Moses, and he thought differently than other people. There were other people, younger people, should have been the ones leading the way, but they were fearful, and they were not, they were not people of faith. And, and Caleb taught us that leaders think opportunity. They literally look at a place and say, what can I do with this? It's a, it's a trait that we all have, uh, or if, we, if we turn it on, but many of us have it kind of on steroids. You can walk in a restaurant and say, if they do this and this and this, it'd make it better. If you go into a, you know, into a place, you say, if they just do this and this, and you're, you're always trying to tweak it and make it better. You can't help it. That's just who you are. Leaders think that way. They literally think, how can I improve on this? I was at a conference one time with a world-class leader that put on these big conferences. And when I got through, there were like 10 speakers. When I got through, we were all eating dinner. And he walked in the room, and he looked. And it was funny. There was a guy named Tom and a guy named Mark and me, and there was 10 of us to speak. But he walked in, and he looked around the room, and he said, Bill, Mark and Tom, come with me. And we thought, oh, we're in trouble. And we went in the back room. He sat down. He said, tell me what we did wrong out there. And I always wondered why he didn't ask the others. But he asked us. And we weren't going to, you know, this guy's who, who's to say what he did wrong? But I know he wanted the truth. And so I told him some things I saw. The other guy, you know what he said? Thank you. That's why he's the boundaries. They think about the future. And they do this. I had some pastors um, in Columbus about two years ago, about a table full of pastors invited me to come to lunch. They said, we want to ask you some questions. One of the things they want to know is, tell me about sermon outlines. That was a big interest. But Bill, tell me about the outlines. How do you do an outline so they remember it? And they were interested in that. My suggestion was this. I said, guys, I've never been interested in the outline. I focus on the outcome. I'm more interested in where I'm driving to and are we going to get there than I am how good it sounds. When you leave, it's not a matter of, oh, that sounded good. It's a matter of, did I get stuff I can use and put in my life? So there's a, there's a value there of thinking that way. And leaders do. They think outcome. Uh, we have military people in our church. And I remember one time a colonel told me this. He said, I have to go out and lead the charge with a, a platoon I have. And I said, well, in the, area, the areas you're in, it's pretty dangerous. He said, you know what grieves me? He said, I love every one of them. And sometimes I think, how many will we have to lose on this hill? to be able to accomplish that. And he said, I look among every one of them, and he said, I just, sometimes I want to just say, guys, let's get out of here. Let's don't go. 
But we're assigned and we're called and we take that, we risk our life. But he says we always evaluate how many will we lose on this hill to be able to do what we've got to do. That's what leaders think. They think that's the future. What decisions do have to make? And by the way, if you're the leader, you're going to have to make the harder decisions uh, the guts to make, okay? And then there's, there's October. We got there. We talked about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The title of that was You Don't Have to Survive. That was one that I, I see too many middle-aged, I, I say middle-aged, I see people between the ages of 30 and 45 that fall in this trap. They get afraid. They start off young and jealous, and they get there, and suddenly, I, I don't want to take another step. I want to hold on to what I have. They begin to play prevent life, you know, and they're holding there. And you need to, this, the greatest way to embrace life is I don't have to survive. I don't have to survive. If you can get to that place, it's a beautiful place to be. I, I just let this out personally to you. I shared it with some of you guys a moment ago, and a few people know it. My wife and I have been thinking about moving to California. And it's just because, one is, it will, you know, if I'd just make this a home base. I'd come back to BPL, do some other things. And we'd be just praying about it and thinking about it, looking those ways. And the other day, the guy leaned over and said, Bill, that's a big risk to do all the things you're doing. And, and he don't understand. I live by that flight. You don't have to survive. You really don't. There's a lot of freedom in life. when you. If the boss comes in and says, I'm going to fire you. As much as you don't want to be fired, most of us was looking for a job when you got that one. So it, it's not the first. When somebody says, oh, you'll lose everything you got. I started in this world with nothing. Yep. I started broke. I started with nothing. I bought a police car, $500 at the Atlanta auction. You get in the back seat, couldn't get out. I didn't have nothing. <laughs> My dad never gave me one penny, and he bragged about it. Yep. He did. Before he died, one of the things he bragged about was I bought a brand new Camaro when I was 16 years of age with my own cash that I worked for. And I stated, made a statement one time that I paid for my own stuff all my life. And my father said, well, you weren't quite telling the truth on that. And I said, really? He said, no, you remember that your mama told me you ought to at least buy the tag for that car. So he paid in those days $8 for the tag to keep me from saying I bought it. But I never, so I never had nothing that I didn't have to go. So if you lose everything, what'd you lose? You, you've been there before. I guarantee you, you can get back quicker. And so there's a fear in our minds sometimes that we make, oh, how will I make it? Listen, if your life's in God's hand and you're doing the right thing, you don't have to know the outcome. You just got to do what's right and he'll lead you to where you need to be. And then, and so I mentioned that. Don't play the game. Don't network. That's the way to do it. Then we mentioned uh, another November. And that was the, the last one, and that was Esther. That beautiful queen that got put in that position that she, she didn't anticipate that that was going to be her life calling, and she was there for a moment. And the beautiful thing, remember how that her, her uncle said to her, he said, perhaps God made you and created you for such a time as this. You're in the right place at the right time. Don't miss that moment. Be present where you are. Enjoy this moment and do what you can. And we talked about timing. The most important thing, the right action at the right time will equal success. You can do the right thing, but if you don't do it at the right time, it doesn't necessarily make the best. The right action. And so that's the key there is when to act is just as important as what you're doing and why you're doing it. And so it's the issue of knowing the right timing. So all of those I recap for you just basically to bring you to the place to say, those are lessons we learn, but everyone within them have something helpful. I'd come back to the growth thing. 
Personal growth is the key. What are you going to do to grow? Um, how are you going to grow? Here's what I'd say. Write out that area like a pie. Financially, what I want to do next year that I didn't do this year. Where do I want to cut expenses or invest? Uh, what, physically, what I want to do next year. There's a room full of people that run gyms here. You want to get in shape, I guarantee you, you can't go five feet without finding somebody that would help you out and then help you at least live another year. And so plan on it physically as well. Uh, the, emotionally, uh, decisions you got to make. Relationally, all, all those, just look at your life and say, well, how can I grow in every one of those areas? Now, I'm the worst about networking. Some of you are great. You have that FOMO, fear of missing out. you got to be networked all the time with everybody. I don't. If I call you, it's usually important. And one day, Debbie and I was driving the road, and Debbie said, the biggest weakness in your life is you never call people. They call you, but you don't call them. And I said, no, that's not true. She said, yeah, it is. And she said, just anybody. She took the phone. She grabbed my phone. We're driving to Mobile, Alabama. And she said, I'll pick somebody, and you just start talking to them. I said, okay. So she picked out a guy named Brian that lived in South Florida. She said, when's the last time you talked to Brian Yost? I said, I don't know. The last time he called me. She said, that's it. Last time he called you. So she called Brian Yost. I'm thinking Brian's going to say, hey, Bill, this was embarrassing. The phone rang. He picks it up, and here's what he goes. No way. Are you kidding me? No way. Bill, are you on the other end of this? And I said, what? You ain't never called me. And he and her were on the same page. So I learned that year, I need to network more. So once a week to this day for the last year, I call people. Sometimes when I say, let me call them. And one person I called, he said, uh, what do you need, Bill? I said, I don't know. I'm just trying to call you. <laughs> I'm trying this networking stuff out. So, so try it. But in every area, how can you tweak it? What can you do? You can start off today in relationships real easy. Think of somebody, somebody that you know. You just need to send a text to, maybe before you get to your car. You say, just want to start thinking about you today. I'm so glad to have you as a friend. I did that to somebody probably a month or two ago. For whatever reason, I just I'm going to send it to them. And later they let me know I needed that at that moment. At that moment, I was discouraged, and that came at the right time. You can build in every area incrementally. The secret is this, is that you're, it's called Kanai. It's constant and never-ending improvement in every area of your life. That's how you grow.